Today we're in Romans, the eighth chapter, once again. And for our opening, we're going to read, um, I think it's the two verses that we were actually down to in Romans 8, which would be verses 26 and 27. And then as we go along, we're going to kind of back up and we're going to review uh, many of the other scriptures that we've read throughout the last several weeks. So for our opening, Romans 8, verses 26 and 27, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version this morning. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks for your word. For it is truth, it is absolute truth. And Lord, I pray that you would help us all by the truth of your word, by the power of the Holy Spirit, in likeness to your truths. Help us to see more of who you are and, and more of the promises toward your children. And Father, help us to see exactly who we are before you. Open our eyes that we might see. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, in Romans 8, whether you've noticed or not, we've been reading a lot about the ministry and the working of the Holy Spirit. And remember this, we talked about this several different times. The Holy Spirit is not a thing or an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is the third person of the Holy Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the one that Jesus said He would pray the Father to send, a comforter, a helper. Let's read that portion one more time in John 14, verses 15 through 17. This is Jesus, and He says, If you love Me, keep My commandments, and I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper, that He may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, Now now let me pause. Why? Why can't they see them? Why can't they know Him? Because they're still dead in their trespasses and sins. They're still, at that moment, far from the covenant of promise. Are they beyond the reach of, of God and saving grace? No. But for this time, they cannot see. The message of the cross is foolishness to them. They cannot discern spiritual things. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him. (laughs) Who's the you? That's that's the child of God. That's the born-again believer. But you know Him. How, how, How can we know Him? For He dwells with you and will be in you. Every born again child of God has the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. If you have not the Spirit, you are not His. So we all have the Holy Spirit in us. And so what I want to do is just take a few minutes and review what we have read and what we have learned about the Holy Spirit in these uh, verses in Romans 8. Because we know the Spirit has freed us from the law of sin and death. That's Romans 8, 2. 
For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And we also know, according to the Holy Spirit, the righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled in us. That's verse 4. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We also know the Holy Spirit gives life and peace. That's verse 6. Or to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And we know that there is resurrection power through the Holy Spirit. Verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and if we're born again, He does, He does, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So resurrection power. We also know the Holy Spirit helps us to put to death the deeds of the body. We've spent several weeks talking about that. That's verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. We also know that the sons of God, the children of God, are led by the Spirit of God. That's verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. We also know that the Holy Spirit bears witness in us that we are indeed children of God and gives us assurance of our salvation. That's verses 15 and 16. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And the Holy Spirit is the the foretaste, the, the guarantee of our final redemption, verse 23. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. And so now that brings us today to verse 26 and 27. And we will see that the Holy Spirit helps us when we don't know how to pray as we should. Let's read those two verses one more time. If you're following along, just pay attention to the wording. Pay attention to what it says. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So let's kind of break it down. We'll see how far we're going to go today. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. Likewise, in the same manner, in the same way, everything that we just read, all those verses that we just read talking about the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's work in us and through us. In like manner, the Spirit also helps. Now, we read from John 14 earlier where Jesus prayed to the Father and He will give you another helper. That's been a few weeks ago we kind of expounded on that verse and we talked about the Greek word there for helper being uh, parakletos. Uh, 
uh, meaning someone to come alongside of a, a comforter and intercessor. And here in Romans 8.26, the word for helps is not paraclete. It's a, and I didn't even write it down. It is a, a monster long word. It's uh, a lot of times in the Greek, uh, there will be different words put together to give the meaning of that word. And this is one of those. And, and so I'm not even going to attempt to, to, uh, pr- uh, pronounce it for you today, but it has a very similar meaning, uh, to paraclete. It means to come alongside with, to help bear up. And it refers to a person coming alongside another to take part of a heavy load to help him bear it. As I thought about that, I got the picture of, uh, remember uh, when Jesus said, take my yoke upon you to help, to come alongside. That's the picture that I got, that this is the Holy Spirit that will be there beside us, that we can be together, that He will join with us to help us carry the weight that we're carrying, our load. So, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Now, I don't know about you, but I like that Paul said our. He's putting himself in there with us, you see. He's putting himself in our position, in our condition. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Now, the word is plural. Weaknesses, or at least it is in the New King James Version. I didn't check a lot of the others. And I believe right here that this is speaking of the human condition in general. That we have many weaknesses. Would you agree with that? I have many weaknesses. And I'm sure, you know, not, not trying to slander you or anything, but I'm sure you have many weaknesses as well. And so in our humanness, all these many weaknesses, but for the born again, we have the Holy Spirit to come along beside us to help us in our weaknesses. Do you see that? The Holy Spirit to come along beside us to help us in our weaknesses. And, and Paul said this in response to the opposition that he had been facing in Philippians 1, verse 19. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. Remember, all the opposition, all the things that Paul had gone through at the, the particular time of this writing. I know that I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. How? Through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. You see, the Holy Spirit that dwells in us supplies us with all we need to be faithful and effective children of God. The Holy Spirit in us in partnership with the Word of Truth, supplies us with all we need to be a faithful and effective child of God. Can we say amen to that? That's truth. So now let, let, let's go back, Romans eight twenty six. Likewise, the Spirit also helps on our weaknesses. Then I believe Paul specifically brings it into the realm of prayer, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, notice this. He's not saying we don't know how to pray. Okay? Because as a child of God, we know how to pray. 
Jesus gave us instructions of how to pray. We have many scriptures that teaches us and tells us how we should pray. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our prayers. Now, I, th- I think it's also important to point out this. This does not mean that we have nothing to do in prayer or have no responsibility in prayer. Just because the Holy Spirit is there to help us doesn't disregard personal responsibility. The same as we've talked about personal responsibility in reading the Word of God. No one else can do that for you, and no one else can pray on as you should be praying. That, that personal responsibility, that, that we have that. that. You know, Paul, you know that little verse uh, that probably as a child, this is one of those verses that you memorized in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing that we would be constantly in an attitude of prayer. doesn't mean we're on our knees at all times, but that, that we, at a moment's notice, could be in that attitude of prayer. So we do have a responsibility to pray, and we also know that the Holy Spirit helps us. Here, uh, Let me make this statement. In fact, Christian prayer is impossible without the Holy Spirit. Think about that. True Christian prayer is impossible without the Holy Spirit. Now, you know as well as I do, you know many people, and you can tell by the fruit of their life, they're as lost as lost can be. And I've had many of these very same people, oh, I pray to God. There is no Holy Spirit. There can be no true Christian prayer there. Let's look at Ephesians 2, verse 18. For through Him, and this is talking of Jesus Christ, for through Him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. Now within this verse, do you you see the Holy Trinity is in this one verse? Do you see that? For through Him, Jesus Christ, we both... Now who's the both here? as Paul is talking in Ephesians 2. The Jews and the Gentiles. That's the both. Because he's talking that there's only one way. There's only one way. It's not through ritual. It's not through circumcision. It's not through all of these keeping of the law. It's not that. It's through. It's by grace through faith. And so it says, but through Him, through Jesus Christ, we both, both Jews and Gentiles, have access... By one Spirit to the Father. Access to the Father through the Son by the Spirit. The Trinity in this one verse. Access to the Father through the Son and by the Spirit. Because we know Jesus said this in John 14, 6. Jesus said to Him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's only one way to God the Father, and it is through Jesus Christ. That's that's why Paul said here, both have access because that is the only access. It's by the Spirit, through Christ. Jesus also said in John uh, 3, 6, 
That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Access to God the Father is through the Son and by the Spirit. Now, let's go back to Romans 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray, what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession. Let's pause there for just a moment. Intercession is a person who pleads another's case, an intercessor. And the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us to help, to shoulder our burden by pleading our case to God when we don't know how to pray as we should. We do not know what to pray, but the Holy Spirit does. So He prays for us. And God searches the heart and knows what the mind of the Spirit is and answers those prayers because they are prayers according to what? The will of God. The Spirit knows the will of God. The Spirit knows and prays the things of God. In in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 11, it says this, For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except what? The Spirit of God. See, the Spirit of God knows the will of God. You understand that? Do you know the will of God? Now, here, let me say this. In many aspects, we do know the will of God because we have it in the Word, in, in God's Word. It is the will of God that we abstain from sexual immorality. That's in there. There are many things that we can find in the written Word that is the will of God and that we can follow it that we know. But there are many things that we don't know. Is it, is it the will of God that that I'll be delivered from this illness. Don't know. God does. And the Spirit does. And the Spirit can pray accordingly. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit helps us and prays for us rightly because He knows the will of God. So the Holy Spirit intercedes in our prayers. Wait a minute. Isn't there somebody else that intercedes? Yes, Jesus in Hebrews 7 verse 25. Therefore, He, Jesus, is also able to save to the uttermost. (laughs) To save completely. Aren't you thankful for that? Are you saved to the uttermost? Are you saved completely? You know, coming from Southern Gospel, these these songs come to my mind, and and one of them just sticking there right now that that said, "I'm saved to the uttermost. I know that I am been washed in the blood of the great. I am through the Father, through the Son, through the Holy Ghost. I'm saved." To the uttermost. Aren't you thankful that you're saved and saved completely? Therefore, He is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Him. There is no other way except through Him. Remember that. There is no other way except through Him. 
Therefore, he is able to save to the othermost those who come to the Father through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them, for the children of God. Jesus making intercession. Jesus is our intercessor between God and men. And, and, and He is our advocate to plead our case also to God the Father. In Romans 8, verse 34, that we'll get to in the next few weeks. Who is He con- who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God and also makes intercession for us. So, Jesus intercedes. The Holy Spirit intercedes. And, and I read this. Uh, some of you maybe have read some things of the Scottish theologian John Murray, and he said it this way. He said, Thus the children of God have two divine intercessors. Christ is their intercessor in the court of heaven, while the Holy Spirit is their intercessor in the theater of their own hearts. End quote. Isn't that good? Jesus is our intercessor in the realm of heaven at the right hand of God while the Holy Spirit, which is in us, is our inter- intercessor while, while here, while here on earth. And I thought, what a wonderful way to look at that. Two divine intercessors. Aren't you thankful for that? And when I, when I, I come to grips with that, I was like, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, um, I don't know if, it, if you can go back and just grab that verse 26 one more time and pull it up. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Well, what is this groaning? And, and who is doing this groaning? And I was talking to Barb about this last night. I am amazed at all the different interpretations of this. And perhaps you've, you have set through some discussions about all this. And, and I'm going to tell you where I'm at today. Because let the Word of God speak. Let it be clear. Let it be simple. What do you what do you get out of that? But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Who's doing the groanings if you take the simple wording of it? Who? The Spirit. Isn't that pretty simple to just read that and know that it's the Spirit that's doing the groaning? But there are those who say, oh, no, 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 that can't be. The Holy Spirit can't groan. Some of the guys I read and that I listen to have that, have that, while others don't. And I take it, I'm pretty simple. And when I read that, it seems simple without me having to clutter it up with all other kinds of presuppositions. Oh, the Spirit can't groan. Now, so far in Romans 8, what have we read? We have read that that creation is groaning with birth pangs awaiting not only its deliverance, but also the glorious liberty of the children of God. We talked about that last week. Creation groans. And we know that we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Creation groans. We groan. 
And the Holy Spirit is here on this earth, living and residing within the children of God, and He also groans. But I believe His groaning is in response to our groaning. He is in us. He is our helper. He is along beside us. So His groaning is is because He is in us and He is our helper. And the groaning of the Holy Spirit is not in imperfection such as ours because we don't know how to pray because the Holy Spirit knows perfectly how to intercede because He knows the will of God. You see where I'm coming from. He knows perfectly the will of God. And His groaning is with groanings which cannot be uttered without words. And there doesn't need to be any words because there is perfect communication between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our Helper our Comforter, the Holy Spirit groans with us and perfectly communes with God the Father prayers for us that are according to the will of God. Aren't you thankful for that? I'm going to stop right there. Um, Lord willing, next week we're gonna, we're gonna go further. We're gonna, we're gonna talk about that. Well, why do we not pray as we should? What's keeping me from praying as I should? What is this? And we're gonna be talking more about prayer. And it would be, uh, we're not gonna delve in that today. But I'll ask this question just, just to close in the way that I close so often. Do you know God? Do you know Him? Do you have the Holy Spirit residing in you and helping you in your weaknesses, in your prayers? In other words, have you been saved by grace through faith? Do you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ? Perhaps there's someone even here, perhaps there's someone that will listen to this sermon at a later time that they need to be asked that question, do you believe? You know that Jesus came to this earth to be the perfect sacrificial lamb to give His life a ransom to pay in full the penalty of sin for all those who believe. John 3, verses 16 through 18. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned. And what was that first verse in Romans 8 that we spent so much time looking at? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He who believes in Him is not condemned. But all but listen. But he who does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. There's believers, there's unbelievers. There's those who are yet condemned. Those There are those who are not condemned because they have received Christ Jesus. John 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life but the wrath of God abides on him. 
Should we have compassion for the lost? Yes. Our hearts should be broken for the lost, that we would pray for them, that we pray for their redemption, for their salvation. Not just our lost aunt or uncle or friend. How about our enemies? How about those who would choose to do us harm? What about those who are yet living in wickedness and evil and following after their father, the devil, that are going into places and killing a multitude of people? If you read or heard about the shooting, I believe it was in Maine, in two different places. It wasn't good enough to go to one spot and shoot up a bunch of people, but they, they hurried out and and drove a few miles to go to another place and do the same thing. What about those? What about those who chose to release rockets and mortars and things in Israel? Should we pray for those, for their salvation? Yes. Compassion for the lost. Even the enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ, that we would have compassion because of, because of this, because knowing this, that without the grace of God, that would be me and that would be you. Never lose sight of that. But for the grace of God, that's me. There go I. And all the more reason to give thanks for such a perfect salvation. One more scripture in Romans 10, 9-13, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved, saved from wrath. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. Remember well, what we read earlier. Both, both Jew and Greek, or Jew and Gentile, when we read it in, in Ephesians, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for Your Word, for it is truth. And we know in Your Word it says, and the truth shall make us free. For the, for the unbeliever, that truth can set them free from sin. As they have heard the Gospel, as You, Father, would draw them to Yourself, opening their eyes that they may understand the truth that they might understand that they are a sinner before You, that they might see You a most holy and righteous God, and, and because of their sin before You, they would tremble, because at that moment they would know without a doubt where their end will be without Christ. And they trembled. 
was grace that taught my heart to fear. And grace my fears relieved. So Father, by Your wondrous grace that that You would draw them to Yourself, that You would show them the rescue through the cross of Jesus Christ. That they might see and understand and fall before You crying out, repenting of their sins, believing in Christ and receiving Him as Lord. Father, that You would help them for the remainder of their days to remain steadfast and follow Christ. And Lord, for those who are are believers now that, that what we believe, we know that we have the Spirit in us. Help us, Father, that we would live victorious lives. Not in fear, not in despair. But in knowing, even when I don't know how to pray as I ought or as I should, I have two divine intercessors to plead my case before the Father. And it's always right, and it is always true according to the will of God. So, Father, teach me, teach us all how to pray as we should, how to follow You. The Lord help us. Help us to live for You. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.